Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was so cool. I think you're so talented. Social media is only positive with Zigazoo, the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. In Zigazoo, all community members are verified kids just like yours. And all content is fully human moderated. Try out Zigazoo this spring break. Download the Zigazoo app today. As someone who lives for politics, when a major scandal unfolds... It was shocking. I have to know, what were they thinking? Backroom deals. Huge amounts of money. CIA secrets. Sets off a firestorm in Washington. Affairs. No way this guy's got a mistress. Corruption. I knew I was a dead man. Warning, it's even messier than you thought. United States of Scandal with Jake Tapper, Sunday at 9 on CNN. Billie Eilish and Phineas O'Connell, they're with us today on Crew Call. I'm your host, Anthony DeLisandro. Billie's vocals, it was automatic art. You know, I had to like choose a more challenging route than just like da-da-da-da. You know what I'm saying? Like it could have been like easier. And a lot of people have asked me like, how did you choose to have it be so soft and like so simple? And what else was it going to like? That's what the song wanted. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Crew Call podcast on Deadline. Are you looking to step up to a 4K smart TV? One that gives you unparalleled clarity and picture resolution? Then we've got good news for you. Because the Vizio 65-inch V-Series 4K smart TV is now just 348 With all your favorite apps built in, you can stream straight out of the box. You can even sing along to all your favorite music and radio on the iHeartRadio app. Looking for a smaller or bigger screen? Vizio offers unbeatable prices on all V-Series 4K smart TVs. Head to Walmart.com today and score the 4K TV you've been waiting for. This is the Chicago City Cast with Danny Burke, presented by Bet Rivers. What's happening, people? Welcome to it. Time for another edition of the Chicago City Cast, presented by Bet Rivers. Danny Burke, your host, here as always, ready to talk all things sports betting from baseball to basketball to the Stanley Cup postseason. Looking forward to today's episode and today's slate of games. We had a great effort last night. Hopefully you were able to tell. We went 4-0, clean sweep with our best bets, a.k.a. Danny's Dimes from Rush Hour and the ones we talked about here on the CityCast as well. And hopefully, hey, he even took a little bit of a flyer on that Tampa Bay puck line that we were discussing. Value as high as plus 195. So overall, a great night, and we're hoping that we can replicate it once again this evening. So let's go ahead and dive into all the action, because we got not only the Cubs looking for another dub tonight against the Reds, but the White Sox begin their series against the Boston Red Sox. And then, like we said, Stanley Cup postseason, and the Warriors look to potentially sweep Luka Doncic and the Dallas Mavericks. So we'll talk about that more so in the second part of this episode. Beginning with baseball, let's talk Cubbies. So they got the dub, like we said last night, against the Reds. They won 7-4, and we cash in on our over bet. We had over 9. I made the line 9.5. It hits 11. Started off a little slow. Cubs got me worried that they were going to make Vladimir Gutierrez look like a strong pitcher, which he is not. Ended up giving four earned runs. And then Drew Smiley actually was pitching well, until the sixth inning, and I think he gave up maybe three earned runs, four, whatever it was. But yeah, total goes over. Ian Happ continues to dominate 
in Cincinnati. I think he had a double and a home run. The dude's crushing it. I think he gets a hit today. It's minus 162 at Bet Rivers. He's just a machine when he goes to Cincinnati. But looking at the spot, I'm going to do what we did yesterday. I'm going to go through all the information, kind of let that filter through, then give you what I think the opening line should be and total. And then we'll tell you what it actually opened at and what it currently is. So let's start with the Cubs pitcher, Marcus Stroman, taking the bump once again for the Cubbies. This year, not really gone to plan, I guess you could say, for Stroman. He's 1-4 with a 3.88 ERA, 1.15 whip, 4.06 FIP, and a 3.54 Sierra. Now we know Stroman is typically a ground ball pitcher, and no, some of these outings have not been the most favorable, but a lot of these stats are telling you that despite him being 1-4 and in a higher ERA, he actually should be doing better. He doesn't get help sometimes from his offense, and, well, you know, his defense can be hit or miss sometimes. For the most part, it's just the lack of offense production out of the Cubs, and he has had a couple blunders throughout a couple of those starts. But Stroman could be due for a solid start here, all right? Tyler Molly for the Reds, 2-4, 5.23 ERA, 1.35 whip, 3.35 FIP, 4.2 base on balls per nine innings, so he can definitely put a lot of runners on base. 4.16 Sierra. At home, numbers are a little bit worse, naturally, when you're playing at a hitter's ballpark. 5.30 ERA, 3.16 Woba, 3.47 FIP. So again, look at the FIP, look at the ERA, there are your discrepancies. Tyler Molly, a guy that probably doesn't reap any benefits from pitching at the Great American Ballpark consistently, but he's managing it fairly well under the circumstances that are not ideal. This one's tough. This one is a tough one to cap. I think these pitchers are pretty neck and neck as of this point. I mean, Stroman, yeah, he should be the better pitcher, but you haven't been able to necessarily rely on that being a consistent thing for him right now. So let's look further into it. Let's look at the batting splits. How are the Cubbies doing against righties on the road? We talked about this yesterday, going against Gutierrez, but Molly ain't no Gutierrez. He probably won't be as bad. But like we said yesterday, uh, well, I guess the numbers actually shifted a little bit. So let me make sure I get this right because I just had the same numbers as yesterday when obviously I should change it. Uh, the Chicago Cubs, let's go. On the road against righties, they have a batting average now of 226, okay? They have an OPS of 655. Not necessarily great. Um, they got a WOBA. Of 294 weighted on base average. Their BABIP batting average of balls in play is 295. And their weighted runs created plus. Yesterday it was 86 heading into the game. Now it is 89. So their stats go up just a tad bit because of the outing against Gutierrez. But overall, again, look, the Cubs ain't doing too well in this particular spot. But the Reds are... They did great at home versus lefties, and that's a reason we like the over. And they do solid against righties at home. I mean, they're going to do solid against any righty or lefty at home because of the hitter's ballpark. But still, the familiarity, the comfort level there definitely helps their cause. 
So looking into their stats at home against righties, now their average is 238. Their OPS is 756, very solid. Their BABIP, 293, eh, not the greatest. Their WOBA, 336, and the weighted runs created plus is 107. Their WOBA puts them 7th best, weighted runs created plus. They are at 11th best in this situation. So yes, the offensive advantage in this particular spot, Cincinnati gets a nod, but at the end of the day, Cincinnati is still Cincinnati. We know their bullpen struggles, and the Cubs should be the better team. Doesn't mean they're going to win. Does not mean they're going to win. Again, Stroman, a little sporadic as of this point, not saying Molly can't be. But he knows how to pitch at this ballpark more so than Stroman does. So where would you put the line here? I think the Cubs deserve to be a favorite, but not by much. So I'm going to make the Cubs minus 115. That would be my opening line. And I would have the Reds plus 105. I'd have the total 8.5 because both of these pitchers could have a gem. But again, pitching at this ballpark is not favorable to pitchers. So I'll give the hook there. 8.5. 9 may be a little too much, but I'll go with 8.5. So the actual numbers then, if you look at Bet Rivers, the Cubs did not open as the favorite at Bet Rivers specifically. This doesn't talk about other books or books in Vegas, but at Bet Rivers, the Cubs opened up minus 103, Cincinnati minus 114, and the total opened at 8. So I was being a tad bit generous, given the hook on the total of 8. I had 8.5, it opened 8, and I gave the Cubs a little bit more props than the Reds here, just because how bad the Reds had been, and hey, we know Stroman should be the better pitcher. But you look at Bet Rivers now, have the lines moved? Well, yeah, a little bit in favor of the Cubbies. They're minus 105, the Reds minus 112. Total has ticked up to 8.5, though, so I guess I was on the right path there. Minus 112 are the odds to the under, minus 107 to the over 8.5. If you like the Cubs laying a run in a hook, it's plus 155. If you want to take the run in the hook with the Reds, minus 195. I don't hate the idea of betting the Cubs here. I'm not going to do it just because just because Molly could have a really good outing against the Cubs here. That would be my fear. And Wilson Contreras, eh, you don't really know what to expect out of him in this game or if he's even going to be in the lineup, right? I guess we got to double check on that. But look, the Cubs, I think, it, here looking into it like, I think I would only bet the Cubs in this game, and I would only bet them if they were in the underdog spot like we're seeing or for if, if it was a pick -em. Like, if they were minus 120 or above, I wouldn't touch it. But at minus 105, or even with the run line plus 155, I don't hate the idea of seeking some value there. I mean, again, this is a team the Cubs should beat. Doesn't mean they will, but if I had to bet it, yeah, I think I would err to the side of the Cubs. This game... I don't really love anything in it. Clearly, you can tell by that. So I'll I'll opt out of this one. Not going to get involved in this one today, but would probably give the slight lean to the Cubbies. Nothing, nothing. I don't like the total here. I don't. I actually, you know, thinking about it because yesterday just listened to it. What about no runs in the first inning? Eh, minus one fourteen. I thought they'd give you a little bit of 
little bit of better value there. I guess because they like the pitchers. I would just do that because they're at a hitter's ballpark and thought you'd get a price. But at minus 114, not really worth it. But speaking of totals and something that may be worth playing, let's take it to guaranteed rate field. The White Sox and the Red Sox. I'll give you my opening line and what it opened at. And uh, let me tell you, a little bit of discrepancy from where I had it. But the White Sox coming off a series where they took two out of three against the Yankees. Big series from the White Sox. The Red Sox on a nice little winning streak themselves. They've won their last five games. Now, if you recall, these teams met on Mother's Day weekend. The White Sox swept the Red Sox, a much-needed sweep by the Southsiders. And the White Sox only allowed the Red Sox to score five runs in that series. But the Red Sox come into this game hot and probably seeking some revenge. Don't know if they're going to get it tonight, though, going against Dylan Cease, who has been an absolute stud, barring the one outing against the Yankees. But Dylan Cease, the ace for the White Sox, has a record of 4-1, an ERA of 3.09, a FIP of 2.17, a Sierra of 2.54, and a WHIP of 1.17. What's a little peculiar about Dylan Cease is that his BABIP, batting average of balls in play, is at 330. With those numbers, you would think it would be lower, but that's probably just a string of bad luck or poor fielding that hasn't helped them out, really. How about his home numbers? 357 ERA, 239 WOBA, 1.87 FIP. All right, Cease looking solid at home. And he did face Boston in one of those games. He went five innings pitched, allowed four hits, one earned runs, racked up eight Ks. The Sox won that game 3-1 to one in 10 innings. Nick Pavetta, he's getting the nod for the Red Sox. He's 2-4, and 4.22 ERA, 3.76 FIP, 3.79 Sierra, and a 1.15 whip. Pavetta's interesting because he can have fantastic outings, but then he can really just implode on any given start. I know a lot of guys love him. Some guys don't want to touch him. I'm more in that camp of the latter, but I would fade him if anything probably because look at his road numbers. He's got an ERA of almost 5, 4.97, a FIP of 4.31, and his road WOBA is 326. Now, his last three outings have been amazing. So in his last three outings, he's accumulated 22 innings pitched and allowed just only two earned runs. So he's been doing great as of late. Maybe he's due for a bad spot, but he too has faced the White Sox, and in that game, he went six innings. Allowed five hits, no earned runs, eight strikeouts, but that was the game that the White Sox won 3-1 to in 10 innings. There was only so much Pavetta could do. The offense couldn't do squat against Dylan Cease. Let's look at the batting splits. How are the White Sox doing against righties? I think you know the answer to that, but what about specifically at home versus righties? Well, they got a 207 batting average, dead last, ugh. 581 OPS, second to last, ugh. 238 Babbitt, dead last, oh no. 261 Woba, second to last. 72 weighted runs created plus, second to last. So the White Sox at home versus righties are terrible. So I don't know if this is that big of an advantage for the White Sox, despite Pavetta struggling. 
on the road, but he's been great his last three outings, and the White Sox have been the opposite of great, hitting at home versus righties. And even if you take the split of the righties out of the uh, out of the equation, they really have not been that great of an offensive team at home. We know they haven't been that great of an offensive team in general, but where they thrive is against southpaws, not against righties, and especially not against righties at home. It's been bad this year. Doesn't mean they can't flip the script for one night, but against Pavetta, I don't know if I'd be banking on it. What about the Red Sox, though? Let's look at the Red Sox-specific split on the road versus righties. They got a 248 batting average, top 10, 9th to be exact, 690 OPS, which is 12th, 292 BABIP, 11th, 304 WOBA, 15th, 102 weighted runs created plus, 12th. So they're a little bit above average in all those categories. So you're like, all right, well, maybe the Red Sox have a fighting chance here, right? Well, again, it's Dylan Cease, the Sox feeling good after what they did against the Yankees. I wouldn't be quick to look at maybe some plus value on the Red Sox. You still got a lethal lineup for Chicago. You still got a lethal pitcher in Dylan Cease, so let's calm down for a second. But the White Sox bullpen is the issue here. And that is why, for example, if you wanted to bet an under or even trust the White Sox First five might be your best your best approach. They got an ERA of 3.94 and a whip of 1.33. The Red Sox bullpen ain't that much better, but it is better. 3.84 ERA and a whip of 1.16. White Sox got to figure out their bullpen issues for sure. But now that we know all of that, where would I put this opening line at? I made this... And I adjusted it a couple times, not based on what I saw or anything because I want to do it before I see it, but just kind of pondering it more so. The earliest I had it, I had it as low as like minus 125 to Chicago. And then I'm like, all right, uh, let me let me kind of revisit that. So what I ended up making it was the Chicago White Sox minus 135, Boston plus 125. I put the total at seven and a half. The weather's blowing out to right field, but it's going to be a colder day here in Chicago. So 135 White Sox plus 125 Red Sox total at seven and a half. So looking at Bet Rivers, their opening numbers for this game, not the same thought process as your boy. Uh, the White Sox opened up minus 167, almost double. Well, not double, but, you know, from 35 to almost 70. So you get what I'm saying. But a lot different than what I had this at. 167, they have the White Sox opening up at. I had minus 135. They had Boston plus 143. I had Boston plus 125. We were on the same page for the total being at 7.5. The Red Sox, above average hitting in this position, but probably not going to be above average against Dylan Cease, a guy they only got, what, four hits against a one earned run? The White Sox, terrible in this hitting situation. Pavetta did really well against them the first time around. Absolutely could happen again in a cold weather game. But where are the odds now currently? And I'm doing the show, let's see, 10.30 a.m. So pretty early, earlier than usual. But as of this moment it, that I'm recording it, the White Sox still minus 167. The Red Sox now plus 145. 
Total remains at 7.5. Juice on the over, minus 113. Unders, minus 105. If you want to take the run in the hook with the Red Sox, minus 162. If you want to lay the run in the hook with the Southsiders, it is plus 130. I don't want to bet the White Sox. I just gave you a 30-cent difference pretty much on this line from where I would have it versus where Bet Rivers opened it up at. I get the love going for Dylan Cease. I get the White Sox took two out of three against the Yankees. You think the White Sox are going to turn it around? We talked about it yesterday. I do believe that. That doesn't mean it's warranted to have a bet on them laying minus 167 against a team that's hungry to come back and beat you after you swept them on their home field. Wouldn't shock me if they had a great effort on yours. And Cease, we have seen him have a disastrous start. Granted, it was against the Yankees. A little bit different than the Red Sox, but still, he's capable of it. Anyone is. Pavetta is. I don't really trust a side here. But what's interesting to throw out there is the fact that that total was 7.5. And, and, you know, we were kind of on the same page there, Bet Rivers and myself. I was kind of thinking... What about the no run in the first inning? I know everybody's talking about the no runs, the yes runs, and yeah, over the long time, yes runs in the first inning is the more profitable bet because typically you got better value on it and you're facing the best part of the offense's order. And it takes a little bit for the pitcher to get acclimated, to get settled in. But those odds have skewed now, and you're not really getting as good a value as you were last year, two years ago, three years ago. It's changed because it's you know, caused so much hoopla on Twitter. But no run in the first. The best number I saw in Illinois, over minus 108, under minus 112. I'm saying best number for the under because other spots have it like minus 115 to minus 120. But Dylan Cease has only given up runs in the first inning once. And I say runs plural because... It was one game, and that was the Yankees game. He gave up two earned runs in the first inning, but that only happened once out of eight starts. Pavetta also has done eight starts this season. He has only allowed a run in the first in two out of eight starts, including his most recent versus Houston. He gave up one earned run in the first, but he ended up going nine innings pitched and allowed just that one run. The no run in the first is a little dicey. It's kind of an adrenaline bet. You get it over with right away, and, well, you could get screwed right away, or you could celebrate a winning bet immediately. So if you're laying like, I wouldn't want to lay more than minus 115 for this bet. If you told me you're doing the under, I definitely would not disagree with you or talk you out of it. I like that play. But the top of the White Sox order, you know, assuming it's going to be Anderson, Mancata, Abreu, and then you got Robert next, even if they get to him, if they don't. The point being is that that lineup is so scary and so lethal, it would not shock me if one of them just got a solo jack. And they've done okay against Pavetta, so, you know, I want to see what the official lineup card is before I would maybe consider doing the first inning under a half run, meaning no run in the first. So we'll wait to see. But that's the thing about the White Sox. And that's why you know it's so frustrating that they struggle. Because you see all of this talent that they have and they just can't put it together. But they're absolutely capable of doing it. So that causes some hesitancy with the no run in the first. But I got some more conviction for the first five total under four and a half. Some books are giving you four minus 110 each way. But Bet Rivers has the best odds for it being listed at four and a half. 
The over's plus 112, but the under is minus 137. We talked about the colder temperature, the wind blown out somewhat to right field. This total open low, and you would think we talked about it yesterday, right? If the game total seven and a half, you'd probably think the first five total would be, I don't know, three and a half, four. But some books are giving you four in the hook, such as Bet Rivers. I'm gonna take that under. Minus 137. Not ideal to lay that for a first 500, but you know what? We talked about the struggles the White Sox have had with these batting splits. We know how great Dylan Cease can be. We know how great he was against the Red Sox. We know how great Pavetta was against the White Sox. That first five between those two guys stayed under. Plus, the White Sox have a first five over-under record of 9-26-2. I think that's bottom in terms of over. So meaning that they've hit the most unders in their first fives in Major League Baseball. 9-26-2. It goes over-under push. So 26 unders. Insanity. Out of what? 37 games? So 26 out of 37 have stayed under. 5-14 and 14 at home, meaning 14 out of 19 home games have stayed under the first five total. How about the Red Sox? Eh, they're hitting some unders too, folks. 13, 23, and 1, meaning 23 out of 37 games have stayed under the first five total for the Boston Red Sox. 8-13 and 13 is the number on the road. Well, what about these pitchers? In the month of May, Nick Pavetta has gone 0-4 on the first five under meaning he has hit under four and a half in all four of his starts in the month of May. As for Dylan Cease, he has gone one and three because of that Yankees game, but otherwise he has stayed under four and a half in each of his three other starts in the month of May. In fact, I think for the whole year, it's Cease's only game that has gone over the first five total of four and a half. It's priced this way for a reason because the number should be at four. And if you don't want to lay that much, then sure, go with four. But you could cash in with that hook if it does land on four as opposed to pushing, and that's why they're charging you, you know, 20 cents more. But I think that would be my top play for this game. Don't want to lay that much with the White Sox. Don't trust the Red Sox here against Dylan Cease. And I don't bet full game unders because of the bullpens and because of starting a runner on second. So give me the first five total under four and a half minus a buck 37 for the Red Sox and the White Sox tonight at Guaranteed Rate Field. That's all I got for Chicago baseball tonight, folks. Let me know if you're betting anything specifically at Danny Burke 5 or you can follow me on Twitter. Also, really quick, before we hit this break, you know, we talk about strikeout props sometimes on Rush Hour. We were talking with Derek Hardy, MLB betting analyst. Insane work. I mean, his projections are incredible. You can check him out at VEASAN.com. And I was talking to him about just some of these strikeout props yesterday, and he bet a lot of them under. And I'm like, hey, do you find yourself betting more of these strikeout props under? And he's like, yeah, I do. And I was kind of just like, is it because the inflation, these books just overreact to what happened last game, you know, all those other kind of things. But yeah, and he's like, yeah, it's pretty much that. And, you know, your general public don't want to ever bet an under. They want to see action. They want to bet an over. Well, Dylan Cease and Nick Pavetta had eight strikeouts against the other respective opponent the last time they faced. At Bet Rivers, though, Dylan Cease over seven and a half strikeouts is minus 152. The unders plus 114. Pavetta, who had eight last time against the White Sox, the overs plus 112, under 
is minus 150. Interesting, isn't it? Look, Dylan Cease, I know, is great with his K rate. But to lay minus 152 to hope a guy can get you eight strikeouts is a tall, tall order. Now, he has gone over this mark in every single game except for one at Cleveland where he had three strikeouts. Otherwise, he's had 8, 8, 9, 11, 8, 11, 9. Even in that Yankees game when four innings had 11 strikeouts, gave up six earned runs. Incredible. So I get why it's priced that way, but... I'd honestly go under if anything. I'm not going to, but that's what I would do because of how high it is. Because at some point you'd think he'd regress because it's more than likely a guy, aside from Cease, who's kind of an aberration here. But, you know, you could get taken out early. Injuries could happen. Whatever it may be, it's really hard to assume a guy can continue this pace. And that's what Derek Cardi kind of talks about in his projections about Dylan Cease, you know, kind of being overinflated. So maybe... Tonight could be a night to fade him, but I haven't looked into the Red Sox and their K rate too much, but something to consider. Uh, as for Pavetta, he's gone over five and a half, let's see, one, two, three times. One of them being against the White Sox, but just wanted to throw those out there for some props to consider. But again, let me know what you're sweating out, what you're riding with tonight in baseball. Hopefully we get you some winners. If we got more baseball plays, like I always say, we'll talk about it throughout our MLB preview slash Danny's Dines tonight on Rush Hour. VEASAN.com, Marquee Sports Network, Fubo TV, Sling TV, the Xfinity app, and YouTube TV. And as you know, iHeartRadio, just like this show, wherever you get your podcasts available. Quick break here. Coming back, couple hockey games tonight and big ones at that for our series bets. We'll tell you how we're feeling about our positions, what angles we're looking to bet for the games tonight. And can the Warriors sweep the Mavericks? That will be discussed and more. Stick around. Quick break here on the Chicago CityCast presented by Bet Rivers. Bet Rivers has your bases covered with early week betting fun. Your baseball bet gets a little extra pop at Bet Rivers Sportsbook every Tuesday. Just log into Bet Rivers and receive a 20% profit boost on a baseball bet every single Tuesday during the entire regular season can use it on straight bets, player props, or a same-game parlay. You decide. Log on to the BetRivers app or go to BetRivers.com and get your 20% profit boost today. Not valid for any participant of the Illinois Gaming Board statewide voluntary self-exclusion program. Must be 21 years of age or older. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER. That's 1-800-426-2537. Alrighty, let's talk some puck here on the second part of this Tuesday edition of the Chicago City Cast, presented by Bet Rivers. Again, Danny Burke, your host. You can always follow along on Twitter at Danny Burke Five or dburke at vison.com if you want to reach out. If email is your preferred method of conversation, but let's get into it with the Stanley Cup postseason big night tonight. To look forward to the Hurricanes and the Rangers, the Flames and the Oilers feeling pretty awful about our Flames series bet minus one and a half at plus 112. Flames look like a disaster the last two games. It should be two to one in favor of Calgary, but they choked it away game two. I'm still salty about that. Game three, I really had no faith in them, but I didn't necessarily want to fade them because I want to root for them. But 
you know, maybe you take it game by game and should have been a little bit more objective there because the Oilers did take care of business. But first, I want to get in to this Hurricanes and Rangers game. Our Hurricanes are up 2-1. They lost game three in a close battle, mind you. They lost 3-1, to one, but the three is because of the empty net. Now, this was one of those odd games because Carolina really kind of controlled it for the most part. This is one of those quality over quantity type of efforts out of the Rangers. But the Hurricanes outshot them 44-33, to and they won the faceoff battle 37-26. to Carolina has actually outshot them in two out of three games. And they have won each of the face-off battle, too, in every game. Now, in Game 3, Carolina had three power play opportunities they didn't capitalize. They have yet to score a power play goal. The Rangers have had a couple. Or, excuse me, in Game 3, they had a couple, and they scored on one of them. But that's the only one they have capitalized on this series. Here's what's really crazy. The Rangers had 35 freaking giveaways compared to Carolina's 11. Yet somehow the Rangers still got the dub. Ronta had a fine game. Again, you know, kind of just got screwed on the power play. And, well, the Hurricanes offense couldn't capitalize against Shesterkin, who's now looking more like his regular season self. So this line opened minus 115 to the Rangers. Carolina minus 105. Total at five and a half. Now, these unders have been coming in. We cashed in on it on Friday. The first period under has hit in every game. The full game total has hit in every game. We cashed our first period plus 130 under for the Lightning and the Panthers yesterday. And, well, you're not going to get that value for this game, folks. Uh, it's as high as minus, what is it as high as? Minus 134 is the best number to the under in the first period. Yeah, a little bit of a difference there. And we'll get into that in a sec, but I want to get into our series bet that we have for this game. Okay, so, or for this series. We have the Hurricanes minus one and a half on the series spread, meaning they got to win in five or six at this point. Okay. Plus 110 was the value we had. Despite losing the last game, Carolina is still laying minus 305 on the series price, while the Rangers are plus 240. The series spread... Rangers catching a game and a half is plus 104. Hurricanes laying a game and a half, which is the bet we made pre-series flop, minus 132. So the odds are still telling you they trust Carolina here. The Rangers minus one and a half, plus 650. The Hurricanes plus one and a half, minus 1250. Total games in this series played over five and a half, minus 286. Under five and a half, plus 210. Over six and a half, plus 170. Under six and a half, minus 220. I still feel good about Carolina here. The Flames, not so much. Carolina, I do. Yes, they lost that last game, but they outplayed them in a lot of categories. And they're still playing with their backup, Ranta. Now, Ranta's their guy at this point, right? I mean, you got to trust him, and he's been stellar, and hopefully he can continue it. It's probably not going to be a higher-scoring game, Five and a half, yeah, it's shaded to the under very heavily at every single shop. Well, it's minus 120 actually right now. It was higher than that earlier, but now it's minus 120. I mean, you're still laying some big, but not as egregious as it was beforehand. The Hurricanes, at least at Bet Rivers, not every book, but Bet Rivers 
They have flipped to the favorite, minus 110. The Rangers, minus 106. If you want to lay the puck and a half with Carolina, plus 235. If you want to take it with the Rangers, minus 286. Like I said, I like the Hurricanes here. And I'm probably going to bet them full game, money line. Minus 105 was the best number I saw. I also, at Bet Rivers, took a flyer, meaning like I threw like a half unit on it, on the Hurricanes puck line plus 240. Again, now it's at plus 235. But, folks, that's incredible value for a sport where you're literally pulling someone and giving you a scoring opportunity with multiple minutes to go. We talked about it yesterday, why we kind of like the first period unders. Because these teams are pulling the goalies way earlier. And it's just, you know, you're sweating that one out tough. But it gives you good opportunities for the puck line. We took a flyer on the Tampa Bay Lightning puck line yesterday. Puck line Jesus came through, baby. 20 seconds to go. We'll take that. In the Rangers and Hurricanes game on Friday, the Hurricanes got it with five seconds. Or it was one second to go. They shot it with five seconds, but it ended with one second to go. I'm not saying it's going to be a dominant performance if the Hurricanes win, but you always have that chance because of the empty netter and because of how great this Carolina defense is and what Ronta can present. I'm just saying it's incredibly hard to ignore that value. In the playoffs, if you're looking for a team to win, how the hell are you not considering the value for the puck line, especially if it's as high as plus 240? So yeah, I'll take a half unit on that, sure. If they lose, they lose. If they win and it's by one, so be it. I'll also be on the Hurricanes money line. But that kind of value, yeah, I think it's worth the play, absolutely. Same with Edmonton, if you like the Oilers, or plus 195 on the puck line. That series has been sporadic as hell. How are you not doing the puck line automatically with whatever team you like there? It's been by a large margin in all the games. What, it was three, and then like four, and then four again? How are you not looking at that? I mean, I get that they're giving you plus money on the puck line, because that's just typically how it goes, but it seems very, very generous right now. I mean, nine to six, five to three. 4-1 to one have been the games for the Flames and the Oilers. I think you got to do it if you're betting one team on the money line. At least consider throwing a little bit of change on it. But anyways, with the Hurricanes and Rangers, the first period under 134. So it's hit in every game as for the full game total under five and a half and I don't hate under five and a half and I don't hate the first period under but lane minus 134 for the first period under is not too persuading I get that land chalk hasn't you know taken me off a bet I have a lot of conviction for but I'm not necessarily in love with it for this game I don't know why if it was minus 125 or better yeah I'd probably take it but the five and a half seems a little bit more tempting at this point than laying minus 134 for the first period under, even with the empty net possibilities. Here's an interesting angle to look at. What about no goals scored in the first 10 minutes of play? So you could do the first five minutes or the first 10 minutes. The first five minutes, you're laying like minus 250 or something if you don't think there's going to be a goal scored in the first five minutes of the first period. But if you don't think a goal will be scored in the first 10 minutes of play, the price is minus 103. So, hey, if you already like the first period under one and a half, I get that you, you 
it's different because you could get one and still win, but like the 31 cent difference there for the first 10 minutes. You just kind of got to hope they don't get a power play opportunity in the first 10 minutes. I mean, they probably won't most of the time because they still have fresh legs and you can keep up more so and not make crucial mistakes because you're reaching or just being sloppy. And if you get beat, well, you know what? Maybe look for an in-game betting angle then. If there is a goal scored in the first 10 minutes, then look to bounce back with a live bet of the under because the line will be adjusted and you'll get a better number. So that's why that may be a bet I actually might play here. No goal scored in the first 10 minutes because it's a lot better price and it's only happened once this series out of the two games. If I do it officially, like I always say, you know, I'll talk about it on Danny's Dimes on Rush Hour, but that may be a better approach. Now, if you're someone who's like, no, I'm going to follow the trend. I still think it's going to be lower scoring. I don't care about lane minus 134. Go ahead, do the first period under one and a half. I have no problem with it. I personally just am not in love with laying that minus 134. Under five and a half minus 120. Now that it's coming down a tad bit, it's it's getting more intriguing. But still, it's a little dicey as we've discussed, betting the full game under five and a half. But both of these defenses and goalies have been stellar. And the offensive just haven't taken advantage of power plays or rather any opportunities really that frequently. So at the end of the day, here's where I'm looking. Full bet will be on Carolina money line. Half unit bet, Hurricanes puck line plus 240. Strong considerations, haven't bet them yet, but strong considerations to first period under one and a half. More importantly, the first period, no goal in the first 10 minutes of play, minus 103, and the full game under five and a half, because how are you betting an over in this series? It's going to be like the Stars and the Flames series, you know, probably under, 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 under. And we can hopefully cash in on it. But I think there are a lot of good spots to consider for this game. A lot of them. I just got to debate how I'm going to look to bet the total here. The first 10 is dicey. That's exhilarating. I don't, I've actually never done one of those bets, but I know a lot of people do at VEASAN. And it can be a very viable venture. You just got to hope there's no power play, really. Well, obviously, got to hope there's no goal, but the power play gives them a great opportunity to get one because that's how they got one the other time or the only the only time it's happened in this series, at least. So, yeah, let me know what you think, too. Like getting other people's thoughts on the matter. Should be a good game. But more importantly, we just want Carolina to win. That's the official play here and be fantastic if they cover the puck line plus 240. All right. Flames and Oilers. At this point, I obviously wish I wasn't invested in the Flames just because I kind of want to bet Edmonton. And I still could, but like I want to root for the Flames. Edmonton open for this game minus 113. They're up to minus 115 at Bet Rivers. Calgary plus 103. They're currently even money. Total six and a half juice on the under, actually, minus 114 over minus 104, which is just funny because of what we saw in game one, nine to six, and then five to three. So both of them have gone over and then four to one, and all of a sudden now people are thinking it could be another under game. Can Markstrom figure it the hell out? Can his Flames defense figure it the hell out? Stop giving the Oilers so many open fast break opportunities. I don't even know if it's called fast break in hockey, but you know what I'm saying. 
and play a clean game. Come on. Stop committing these stupid-ass penalties. You're making Mike Smith look like a damn stud out there, which is disgusting because he's not. But we got our series bet on the Flames minus 1.5 plus 112. And now the current series prize has the Oilers minus 175, which is the right call. Flames plus 140. Oilers minus 1.5 games plus 118. Flames catching a game and a half minus 150. Flames catching two games and a half minus 560. Oilers minus two and a half games plus 350. Total games played in this series. Over five and a half minus 560. Over six and a half plus 140. Under five and a half plus 350. Under six and a half minus 175. Flames to win in six plus 475. Flames to win in seven, three to one. Oilers to win in five plus 320. Oilers to win in six, plus 280. Oilers to win in seven, plus 475. This series feels like it would have the makings to go seven games, but I don't trust Calgary to win this game right now. I think Edmonton wins this one, if I had to guess, and then the Flames win the next one. So then it's going to go to game six, three to two in favor of Edmonton, and they probably close it out, win four to two, and you could cash Oilers win in six, plus 280. That wouldn't shock me. I would do that instead of the Oilers minus one and a half. I don't hate the idea of betting total games played over six and a half plus 140. But look, I if you want to hedge out of this series play with the Flames minus one and a half, maybe you do something like that, like the Oilers to win in six plus 280. Or you could just bet the Oilers tonight. Because... If you, well, I don't know. It's, I mean, I'm probably, I'm not going to do anything, but I know some people want to hedge here more than likely. If the Flames lose tonight, obviously these odds will be tremendously skewed and you won't have a good opportunity to bet the Oilers as much. But I do think the Flames would win the next game at home, though. It's tough. It's tough to get a gauge on it. But really, you saw how the Flames looked that second period last game, right? I mean, they gave up, what, four goals in that second period, whatever. What, like, that was so bad. This team just looks like they don't want it. They're not ready. They're not experienced. They're not happy to be out there. They're not thrilled. They don't have any energy. The Oilers do not look like the Oilers of the Kings and Oilers series. This looks like the Oilers team that is absolutely capable of playing like this, but they just can't. But they have all the offensive talent in the world. They just never have been able to put it together consistently and haven't had good goaltending. Guess what? They've had it enough the last two games. So again, I look, Edmonton's plus 195 on the puck line. If you're betting Edmonton, I don't know how you're not taking the puck line. If you want to take the puck and a half, it's minus... Uh, hold up, let me find that. Minus, I clicked the link and it takes you away from it for whatever reason um calgary plus one and a half is minus 240 if you want to lay a puck and a half with calgary plus 225 it's funny that the flames are plus 240 and they're the slight favorite yet the flames are the dog and you're getting less of a value on the puck line plus 225 but i get it though because there's been more goals scored but it's just kind of funny um yeah you could also do the win in regulation Flames plus 155. Overtime bet is plus 350. Oilers is plus 135 to win in regulation. So you're still getting value for them to win in regulation, along with the puck line, of course. 
Maybe going to OT ain't a bad bet. Plus 350. No, I wouldn't actually do that. But, um, yeah, I kind of don't. I don't really trust the Flames here. I would probably consider Edmonton on the puck line. Nothing with the total here. Don't really like anything around it. Let's see what the first period total is. First period total, one and a half. Over minus 152, under plus 114. See, that's one where it's almost like I would bet the under because of the value. It stayed under the last game, right? Under two goals is minus 182. Over two goals plus 135. I don't think I'm going to bet anything in this game pre-flop, folks. I'm just going to hope that the Flames don't embarrass our bet too much. Hopefully they can look like a competent, organized squad who should be in the spot. Markstrom, you got to figure it out, buddy. I mean, this has been bad. We're all hyping you up after that star series, and you have just looked terrible. And it's not necessarily a complete and utter shock that Markstrom has gotten exposed because he got exposed by him during the regular season. What's a shock is that, one, the Flames' defense has been just trailing the whole time. Like, they've just been coming back and they have two Oilers in front of them. But more importantly, that they're making Mike Smith look so good after game one. Mike Smith is not good. He is not good at all, but the Flames are making him look like this dude cannot win a Stanley Cup. Like, there's just no chance I could see Mike Smith holding up Lord Stanley. And I'm not saying they're going to. I mean, they still got to get through a couple more series. We know that. But, like, Mike Smith should not be only allowing one goal in the playoffs against the Flames. How do you let that help happen, Calgary? Figure it the hell out, please. And I know people subscribe to the zigzag theory. Yeah, you can't do that for this game. Oilers won back-to-back. -back. I just... How could you trust the Flames right now? Let me know. I really don't know. And Oilers would be probably my bet if I didn't have the Flames series price. And again, take it more objectively. Bet it game by game. I get it, but like... If Calgary is as good as we all thought they were coming into it, they need to and should win this game. But here's the thing. I think regardless if they win or not this game, depending on what it is, right? I mean, unless it's just completely out of hand one way or the other. I kind of like the Flames a lot for game five at home. Hopefully the price isn't too expensive, but I think that's going to be a good spot for the Flames. Especially if they lose this game more so. But even if they win, that may be a bet I'll be looking forward to. Let's hope they win. Let's hope they win. All right, let's switch over to basketball really quick. Nothing in this game right now. Again, if I do, I'll talk about it on Rush Hour. I want to see if there's late movement because it has been steady at 1 in favor of Dallas. Open 1 remains 1. Money line minus 114 for Dallas, minus 105 for Golden State. Total 215.5 is not open. The under is hit in two out of three games. 112 to 87 was the first game. 126 to 117, the second game, went over. 109 to 100, the most recent game, stayed under. The Warriors were catching three in the hook, and they said, screw that, we're going to go and win outright. And everybody I've talked to right now is all like, ah, at this point, you got to take the Warriors. 
I'm not saying they're wrong. That would probably be my approach as well. But what, like, remember the Warriors were up 3-0 on the Nuggets? Everybody thought the Nuggets were going to roll over. Well, they won game four, but obviously then they lost in game five. But can you get that desperation effort out of the Mavericks? And are you willing to bet on it? If you look at the betting splits at VEASAN.com where you go with the money report, very useful tool. You get the percentage of handle bets on the money line spread in total. So the Warriors right now are catching 61% of the bets on the spread, which is attributing 56% of the hand. It doesn't matter about the spread. Let me go to the money line because it's one. You know, if you're betting one, what are you doing? Just bet money line. Both sides. Uh, 73% of the money line bets are on the Warriors, which is accounting for 53% of the handle. But you would think the money line would move in favor of the Warriors. So maybe it's a little bit of sharp action on Dallas, or honestly, it's probably split right down the middle. But 27% of the bets are going on Mavericks' money line. Um, But that's attributing for a decent amount of the handle, though, 47%. But again, you would think that would then move the money line. Hasn't been the case. Very odd here. That's why we listen to Josh Applebaum, VEASAN's betting reporter. Tells you all about those market movements. Uh, With the total at 215.5, 50% on the over, 50% on the under for percentage of bets. However, the handle is a little bit higher on the over, 53%. The under, 47%. Number has not nudged. I'm torn. I'm Like I've been saying for a lot of these games, I mean, wait in-game, really. We've been betting props. We hit Tatum over 27 and a half last night. I think he ended it with 28, and I was scared because I thought he was going to get pulled early, which he did, but, like, he still got there in the third, luckily, because he had 24 going in the second half, so that was nice. Very fortunate there. Um, Yeah, just looking at some of these props. I mean, Reggie Bullock versus Kevon Looney. Bullock minus 143 to score more. Looney's plus 113. Has Looney even been scoring that much? I know he's been productive. Don't get me wrong. Let me see this really quick. Because Reggie Bullock, we bet him over Draymond and he came through. Let's see what Kevon Looney's stats are. Oh, he dropped 21 in game two. I missed that. <laughs> 10 points, 21, and then nine. Bullock really struggled the last game. He was brutal. I think he went like 0 of 10. Let's see. 0 of 10 from the floor, 0 of 7 from deep, zero points. That ain't going to cut it. But he had 12 and 21 the other two games. Some of the other head-to-heads you can do, Jordan Poole minus 155 or Spencer Dinwiddie plus 121. That's a steep price for Poole. And Klay Thompson, even money. Jalen Brunson minus 127. Brunson, I feel like, has been a little bit quiet this series. Well, besides that he dropped 31. I did not clearly pay attention to Game 2 enough. Uh, 14 points in Game 1, 31 points in Game 2, 20 points in Game 3. Let's see what our boy Clay has done. I don't know why I'm saying our boy because we, well, we cashed one bet with him, so then he could be my boy. 15, 15, and 19 for Clay Thompson. Uh, Jordan Poole. Let's see what Mr. Poole has done. 19, 23, and 10. Yeah, that's why I don't think he should be as high as minus 155. It's pretty steep. Spencer Dinwiddie. Dinwiddie needs to score, though. Like, Clay can have an off game and the Warriors can win like we just saw, but Dinwiddie needs to score. So Dinwiddie got 17, then 4, then 26. 
I would, yeah, I'd obviously take Dinwiddie over Jordan Poole at plus 121 for Dinwiddie. I wouldn't lay minus 155 with Poole. Dinwiddie over two and a half threes is plus 150. He hit three in game one, four in game three, none in game two. That's an angle perhaps. He hit five, five, zero, two, zero, two, two against Phoenix, four, two, one, two, one, zero against Utah. Decent value there. Two and a half, yeah. If it was at three and a half, I think that would be more of an appropriate price. Hey, maybe we'll take Dinwiddie over two and a half threes. Maybe. <laughs> but the plus 150 is tempting. That's why I say it more so. But yeah, I got nothing right now, guys, on this game. Again, I, I guess I would lean Warriors. And really nothing for this total. It's so tough to gauge. I guess I would say, well, elimination games, you typically look at it going under. Very tightly played. Pressure's higher. You're probably not as loosey-goosey, and you're more just strung up, so you're missing open shots. or missing shots you would typically hit if you're the Mavericks. Warriors, maybe you're not going as balls to the wall as you typically would. That's what we talked about with the Lightning and Panthers. That total stayed under. So, yeah, maybe that's where you go with the total. But a lean to the Warriors, a lean on some of those props. I'll get more into it throughout the day, investigate it, and if we like it, we'll look to play it on Danny's Dimes. Make sure you check it out 5 to 6 p.m. Central Time. That's going to do it, folks. Thank you for tuning in to another edition of the Chicago City Cast presented by Bet Rivers. All in all, uh, lean Cubs, nothing I'm playing. Under four and a half runs for the Red Sox, White Sox. We'll make that an official play. Hurricanes money line official play. Puck line on the Hurricanes plus 240, half a unit. Kind of just, you know. For craps and gigs. Trying to keep it PG here on the show. <laughs> um, first period under. It's steep, but that's the way I would go. First 10 minutes, no score. I like that. Full game under 5.5. Don't hate playing that as well. Flames, Oilers. Let's just hope the Flames don't embarrass us. Uh, Warriors, Mavs. Lean to the under. Lean toward the Warriors. That's what we got. But all in all, official play. Hurricanes, hopefully they cover the puck line. And if anything's added, again, I'm beating the dead horse. Just make sure you check out VEASAN Best Bets log page, or you could go and watch Rush Hour. Always appreciate if you listen to that, and always appreciate when you listen to this. But thank you, folks. Enjoy the games tonight. Best of luck with all your wagers. Go and catch some tickets, ladies and gentlemen. We'll catch up again on Thursday. Until then, take care.